you can open your Bible up to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm just going to read really a verse and a half. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to take a look at verse 13 and the first half of verse 14. If y'all are there. Everybody there? Close enough? Mary's there in her mind. She's with me in her mind. <laughs> She's doing important things, keeping the baby quiet. All right, let's read it. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We're actually going to stop right there, right in the middle of that verse on that comma, because that's what I want to talk about today. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of uh, learning lately, studying stuff, learning about hermeneutics, how to go about interpreting uh, the Bible and different parts of the Bible. And on this right here, there's a couple of different viewpoints. There's some armor of God talked about in the book of Isaiah. And I think Paul is drawing from that, what Isaiah talks about, about the armor of God. But I think if we read the whole chapter, what's in his mind here is it seems pretty clear to me that he has in mind the pieces of armor that a Roman soldier would wear. And he's using those, making spiritual parallels. He's using the armor of the flesh of a soldier and comparing it to spiritual things. But the first one, and the one I want to talk about today, and we probably won't even go on with the armor of God. Actually, today what I wanted to do and fully planned on doing was starting on Genesis chapter 1. Because we're going to talk about creation. And by the way, anytime I say creation, what I mean by that is all things that exist that are not God. Everything that is not God is a created thing made by God. And so when I, I used to say stuff like the universe, which is still fine, but now I just use this term creation because that's really the Bible's term is creation. And so I wanted to start and lay some groundwork in Genesis because on Thursday nights, as y'all know, we're going to try and do some answers, question and answers this Thursday on the tongues thing. Uh, because there's still a lot to deal with on that, right? And people had a lot of questions, which was I was glad. But um, after that, we're wanting to do studies in Genesis and then hopefully go to the ark, right? But there's some, there's some things in Genesis that I want to be able to spend some time on that are not necessarily interesting to the kids. And I want to do those on Sunday. I want Thursday nights to, I'm going to get the TV up here. We're going to do some slides, some video clips, and learn some of the, I mean, just amazing, astounding things about the creation, the, the beauty of it. Just, oh, man, there's so many things. It's, it blows my mind year after year after year, and I want to do that on Thursday night. But there's some fundamental things in the text of Genesis that, as men and women, we need to learn and, and be solid on. But... That's what I actually prepared to talk about today. 
And then this morning, I, it all changed. And I, I believe I understand why. Because before we go there, we need to have something solid in our minds, and that's this. Truth. We need to have the right perception of truth. Now, the question is going to come immediately, and we're going to deal with it. What is truth? You know, that question was asked to Jesus Christ by the governor. What is truth? And what truths are we talking about here? We're going to deal with that. But Paul doesn't deal with that, really. His first point, and I'm going to try and go slow. I'm not good at going slow. But what I'm talking about is going to be over, over the heads of most of the kids here. I can't help that. But truth in itself is what Paul is talking about. Not just specific truths, those apply. But truth itself, your, your understanding of what truth is and the importance of it is so foundational. And he begins with, in, this, in his analogy of the Roman soldier's armor, he puts truth as the belt. Now this wasn't, it says have your loins girt about. This, what you call, you could call it a girdle. Really, it was a really wide belt, a leather belt that they wore. Four to six inches wide, depending on the size of the man. A heavy duty thing. And they put it on first. Of course, they had their clothes on. And then they would go to get dressed for battle or for marching or for whatever. So they had their clothes. I'm going to pause because they just got here. And I'm not so far in that they'll get lost. Come in, Raina. That's on the recording. <laughs> so when y'all listen to that, y'all know. <laughs> Come in. We just got started, literally. Yeah, come in, come in, come in. Bring your dad's snuff and put it in his, on his couch back there. <laughs> come on in, man. I'm just glad y'all weren't here, dude. Yes, sir. We really did just get started. We, I'm three minutes into it, maybe. So we might even just reset and start over so y'all can get the whole thing. Okay, let me catch y'all up on the past three minutes. What we're talking about today is truth, the importance of truth. And the reason we're talking about it is because we plan to go into the studies on creation, right? Studies in Genesis. And so we went to Ephesians where Paul says, have your loins girt about with truth, putting on the whole armor of God. Now let's pick up there. He starts with that one first. That's the first piece of armor that he talks about. And the reason for that is a Roman soldier, they would have had their tunic on, they would have had their regular clothing on, but when they would get dressed for battle, the first thing they would put on is that wide leathern belt. And even the word girt means to be strengthened, supported. And this thing was almost like a back brace because the armor was heavy. And so you can almost imagine somebody like me, I don't have to imagine it. I feel it every time I put my belt on. You kind of suck in, you know, you girt up, you're standing up straight. That leather and six inch wide belt made a man stand upright before he could put on everything else. And the illustration in his mind, he is using a, a parallel here. He's comparing this thing to the truth. This thing, and it, and it goes around your hips and the word loins really means what we would say your guts or your waistline. But in their way of thinking, that was your, what you could say your core, your power center. 
That's where the strongest part of, like, I mean, if you think about in the hips and the way everything is, comes right there, does it not? All, all of your motion is transferred through the hips. It's your power center. And he says, girt that, your strength, your core, about with truth. And then they would actually go on and put this breastplate on, which was basically layers of metal, but it attached to that belt also. The upper armor hooked into the belt. That's why the belt had to go on first, not second. They put the belt on, then they put the breastplate on, hook it into the belt. The sword, the sheath, would hook to the belt. So the belt carried the sword. The belt attached the armor. And the belt itself also had plates. It could be plates of thick leather or plates of steel hanging from the belt. The belt was the centerpiece of the armor, and that's why he started with it. He had watched and he had probably worn this armor and he knew the first thing that had to go on was that belt and from that belt everything else attaches to that belt and the illustration is this truth is the belt and everything else that we believe has to be attached fixed in some way bound strengthened by truth truth is extremely extremely important to the christian so the next question for me would be what truth Exactly what truth are we talking about here? And like I said, I really I know from studying that what's in Paul's mind is not even just what truth, but truth in general. And we're going to get into that. But as far as what truths, of course the gospel of Christ is the most important truth that there is. But that's not at all what he he's not limiting it like that. This is, like I said, I'm going to go slow. I'm actually going to try not to just preach away on this because I really want you to. What I'm talking about today is honestly super foundational, man. It's super fundamental. It's not something, I mean, I could get excited about and run all over the place, but that's not something that I want to do. I want us to really think. I want us to apply our minds today to pay close attention and listen and process. Paul is telling us, girt yourself, strengthen yourself with truth and i've thought about so many times when a person doesn't know the truth or doesn't know if what they believe is true what weakness there is there you know when when you're not sure that you're standing on truth or you don't even know that you know what the truth is about something you believe you can't help but be wishy-washy you cannot help it it's when you know that what you know is true that that knowledge and that relationship between the Christian and truth, it anchors them. It holds them down. They say, no, I stand on this ground, this pillar and ground of truth. I stand on this truth right here. And it keeps them from being able to be tossed to and fro. But So the truth of the gospel, but why am I really here today? Because of the truth of Genesis is why I want to talk about this today. We're going to go and we're going to talk about what the Bible says about creation. All the beautiful things of creation and the flood and the God made man, he made Adam and Eve. But those truths are part of that belt, is what I want you to understand. A lot of times in the, in the sort of modern way of thinking, in this modern culture, they have, they have tried to limit that belt down to just, just Christ. Now, I don't mean to take away from Christ. Christ is creator. Can't take away from Christ. But the, the belt is more than just the gospel. Let me say it this way. The gospel itself is founded upon truth. If there is no truth, absolute truth, there is no gospel. And what truth is it founded upon? Genesis. Honestly, 
Where do we first hear the word sin and see sin? Genesis. Where do we learn about the fall of man and the cursed world that we live in? Genesis. Where do we learn about the need of a Savior? Genesis. Where is the first prophecy that a Savior would come? Genesis. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen. If God didn't make us in the way that He said He made us, then the Gospel itself is meaningless. So what truths should a Christian girt themselves about? And why are we even girding? That we may be able to stand in the evil day. Boy, are we not in the evil day. Man, we are in the evil day. There's no doubt about it. We are in the evil day. I mean, everybody that's been preaching for the last 40 years has been telling of these times. And for thousands of years before, they told that the times would come, that evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse, and that perilous times would come. And man, we're in the evil day. And it's obvious. Because what has been attacked more than anything is the belt of truth. Because if they can break that belt of truth, off comes the armor, the breastplate, off comes the sword. All of it goes. When the belt goes, it all goes. And so, these truths... When we go to Genesis, we're going to learn about it through illustrations for the children, explaining details. I'm not going to sit and take time to defend every single thing. That's what I want you to have in your mind. That we, well, if you don't stand, you know, there's a lot of different views on Genesis out there right now. It's the most popular book to attack. But if you don't stand firm on all that it teaches, if your loins are not girded about with the truth of really the whole Bible, you have nothing to offer this culture. We live in a gender-confused culture. Where do we get the truth? The solid, unchanging truth of gender truth. Genesis chapter 1. God made man in his own image, male and female. Made he them, period. End of sentence. What about marriage? You know, another society in the past, another culture forsook truth. We now know that name as Sodom. It was once a city. Two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. They forsook the belt of truth. Not only that, the, Greek, the Greeks. Well, in fact, you can say this, that all great empires, the crumbling of those empires is when they forsook truth. And it's hard for me to get this concept across. I'm not just talking about truths, plural, but truth, the actual existence of something that we call truth. You see, when you abandon the, the very definition of what we call truth, look at what happens. Society totally decays away, but so does Christianity. And so we have, what, is, what truths do we stand on? Really, what truths? Do, don't ever let anyone shake you on these truths. That marriage is between one man and one woman. That as far as gender goes, there's two. Boy and girl. But not just that. You're made in God's image. You're not in any way evolved 
in no shape, form, or fashion are you evolved. Jamie, we were never cavemen. And we don't come from cavemen. Men may have dwelled in caves at times. Lot spent some nights in a cave. David spent some nights in a cave. But they were not cavemen. From Adam all the way down to Stephen and Alan and James and Mike, there were no cavemen. We are not on a process of climbing higher and higher in complexity and evolving our way towards God. No, that's not the case. That is not the case. And see, those lies that try and undermine the truth, the real truth, are destroying our world. But if we could boil it all down, I've, brought, I've said this several times, what's wrong? Truth is what's wrong. They've abandoned truth. That's what has happened. You see, when, they, when you abandon the understanding and concept of truth, then you can't find the truth because in your mind it doesn't exist. <clears throat> so that's why I keep saying I'm not talking about truths specifically, but I'm talking about truth as a whole. So it's one thing. It's one thing. We passed through this phase. It's one thing for a nation to begin to question truths, specific truths. It's a totally different thing when they just say there is no truth. There is no truth. Now once you say there is no truth, you literally have lost the very foundation of thought. You can't even process thoughts really anymore. And everything goes to chaos. Let me show you something that the Bible says. God and truth, God and truth are inseparable. Truth is eternal. We know that. The truth, there's an old saying, truth will stand when the world's on fire. Truth is eternal. God is eternal. Truth is immutable. In other words, it's unchangeable. Whatever is true is true, and you cannot change the fact that it's true. You can wish that it wasn't true. You can even change the environment around that, but the fact that it was true, it was true. It's unchangeable. God is also unchangeable. Truth cannot lie. There's a reason I'm making all these illustrations. Truth itself cannot lie. It can't do it. God cannot lie. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth. I am the truth, the way, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the truth. The Bible says in several places, I was going to put all these verses on here, but for sake of time, I decided not to. It says that God is the God of truth. Uh, in the Psalms, several times, David talking to God says, O Lord, God of truth. And then he even says stuff like, let thy truth continually preserve me and let thy truth lead me home. So Jesus said, I am the truth. The Bible says God is the God of truth. This word is called the word of truth over and over. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. You would be amazed at how many, the huge majority, the huge majority, I think we in this church, and we're kind of, we're fortunate in a lot of ways to live here where we do in this part of the world. As though, even though America has descended a long way, it's still a great place. And in my opinion, the greatest place in America is Alabama. <laughs> or at least I'm going to say a 50-mile radius around this area. And I've traveled outside of this area a lot, so I'm not just saying that because this is where I was born and raised. I've seen the other places. The major problem, the reason you even, why does evangelism not work anymore like it should? Because they don't believe there is such a thing as truth. 
They just don't believe it anymore. And you can't reason with someone. You can't get through. And there's no doubt in my mind that this has been the work of the devil. Let me make something clear, though. What I don't want y'all to think. I'm not saying that truth is the God of God. That truth is the highest thing and then God is subservient to truth. I'm not saying that. So what am I saying? God is the God of truth. And what that really means is why, why can we say so many things about truth that we can also say about God? Why is that the case? Because truth is God's most fundamental attribute. Listen, if, if truth was not his most fundamental attribute, then even his holiness would have no meaning. The fact that he is holy is founded in the fact that he is true. He is truth. Let's say it this way. If God were made of particles, which he's not, but if he were, those would be particles of truth. Would be what he, that is his, literally, it's his essence. I mean, I wish you guys would go through and read the 254, 256 verses about truth in the Bible and really see what it has to say. We know men, we, we, you know, we believe that we are made up as far as our flesh. We are made up of atoms, protons, neutrons, electrons. But if God were made of something, he is made of truth. It is his very essence. It's his most fundamental attribute. And I'm going to say this a couple more times, but I don't want to just get lost in it. You guys got to know. Y'all got to know. I, listen. This matters tremendously. I have had three strong Christian people in this house tell me that you can't know the truth. I even went to church with them. Now what they mean is, in an absolute, you can't know for sure that, you're tr that that's true. And I mean, I sat there and I said, wait a minute, man. Does God exist? Yes. Can God lie? No. So every word out of his mouth is true. Yes. Then we can know the truth. Absolutely. Because God is the God of absolute truth. And none of this stuff may really matter to you guys. But man, I, I wish I could get the point across. When you know that you know that what you hold here in your hands is true. And that you're understanding the truth. There's nothing greater to, to cast out doubt. And I, I just love when, you know, through the years of study, I love how Paul brings that first right off the bat. Gird up your loins with truth. I see people struggling with a former religious belief system or a former teaching from college. And they're torn between two worldviews. I mean, it's what Elijah said to the prophet's in Israel, he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? And the halt didn't mean stop. It meant sway back and forth like a horse that was halt, had a limp or something like that. They're walking like this right here. And that's what he means. How long halt ye between two opinions? You're swaying back and forth. If the Lord be God, then worship him. And if Baal be God, then worship him. But stop doing this. And this is what the whole church is doing. They say... Theistic evolution. God used evolution. It's okay if you believe evolution. God used evolution. But then over here it says, God made man in his own image on day six, in his own likeness. There's no room for evolution. And that the days were literal. The evening and the morning were the first day, and the evening and the morning were the second day, and it goes through that whole process. But yet the whole church is doing this. And then here's, what it, here's why it really matters to me so much. 
If the world does last 50 years, every adult in here is going to die. And what are we leaving behind, man? I don't mean just as a country. I mean us. What are we going to leave behind? Because when our children do go out there and face this world, they're facing a world of what's called relative truth, which means there is no truth. Let me explain that for just one second. What does relative truth mean? Mean. What does relative truth mean? It really means this. Your truth is true for you because of your opinion. But it doesn't have to be true for me. That's really what it means. Truth is true or not in relation to your opinion of it. The relation part is where relative truth comes in. That's taught in even colleges. That's taught, of course, in high schools. That's taught on playgrounds by kids perpetuating this stuff. And I really believe, and I really, really, really believe, if you want to know why, in the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years, there has been an outbreak all over the place of psychological disorders in 20-year-olds. They have what they call intrusive thoughts. Look, I know tons of them. They have OCD. They have panic attacks daily. I believe at the heart of it is because their whole world that they've grown up in is a world with no truth. There's no absolutes. They don't know what they're standing on. They literally don't. They live in Alice in Wonderland. That's the world that has been given to them because American Christian people somewhere along the way decided to let the doctrine of devils take over. And they live in Alice in Wonderland. In Alice in Wonderland, if you call it a dog, it's a dog. Even though it's a cat in a tree. That's the world they live in. And, I mean, I have heard this saying before. The absence of logic is hell. And they didn't mean it in a cursing way. They meant it literally. The absence of truth, the foundation. You know, the human mind must have the concept of truth throughout it. That We must know that there is a truth, right? Whether or not we know the truth, we have to come to the Word of God to find out. But we must know that there is a truth. There is a foundation. There is a something to be discovered. And when you discover it, there is a something to stand on. But listen, I'm telling you guys, we had over 30 kids, or right at 30, in the church we had here before. As I'm presenting some of these concepts to them, they literally had never heard them. I had a young man come to my house every Thursday night for a year, and we sat out here and talked one another for probably two hours every Thursday night for a year and I was teaching him about the nature of truth and when he first come he could not even though he was a believer and I believe he's saved he's still saved he's a great young man he could not defend whether or not truth was real or not he didn't even know how to go about it and these are good people and this is everywhere we have imported things into the book of Genesis called gap theory. They want to say, oh, it's okay if you believe the world's way. You can add in your millions of years. Just stick it between verse 1 and verse 2. 
You can have any history you want. Just stick it in there. But it don't work that way. Because when you stick a gap in between verse 1 and verse 2, you're not just sticking years there. You're sticking a doctrine there that says you come from apes. And that all living things came from pond scum that it began to evolve three billion years ago. And that the universe itself has no God. It exploded from a dot. You can't just stick years there and say we're safe. It's not just years. Why are you even sticking the years there? Oh, because the world says this is what happened during all those years. And it has completely undermined our minds. I mean, I don't know how to get it across what, I'm, what I really want to say. But if the difference between you and a, a crazy psycho person in an insane asylum is truth. That's the only difference. Our sanity hangs on threads of truth. And if there is no truth, if it is my opinion, I mean, we, we're all now just pretending that reality makes sense, if that's the case. You see what I'm saying? We're all just borrowing from one another's mind, and we're just... We're, we're very easily tossed about and carried about. We're very easily persuaded that abortion isn't murder. Or that there is a... I mean, look at what's happening. Y'all know this stuff is happening in our schools. We got a school up here that's making the teachers recognize children as kittens. It is funny, but it's, it's, it's sad, guys. And now listen, why am I standing up here preaching all this? Because it ain't done. It is not done. The, I'm, listen, there are going to be things happen within the next 10 to 15 years in this country that right now you're sitting here saying there's no way. But it's coming. It's coming. What we have seen unfold over the last 20 years is only the beginning of it. Now they've been pushing this stuff, the Hollywood agenda, the satanic evil agenda through movies and music. They've been pushing this stuff for a long time. But where we once, listen, y'all know that what I'm about to say is true, and I'm going to be careful how I say it, but when y'all were young, y'all would have said, I'll, I wouldn't live in a country that legalizes sodomite marriage. Y'all would have said that. I wouldn't live here if they're going to do that. And now here we are, and that's not even the news anymore. That is literally old news. Not only is it legal... It's on every show you watch. Do you think they're done? And the answer is no. And what's going to happen in the next 15 years will be even worse than what happened in the previous 15. I promise you. You can take it to the bank. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. And our children are going to go out and get married and grow up and raise their own children in a world that if you don't give them a solid foundation and understanding of truth, there is no telling. You will look at your child one day and be like, how did this happen to my child? I raised my child up in church. Listen, lots of people are raising their children up in church. But some of the fundamental things like in these armors of God and the 250-something verses that teach a man how to go about appreciating and respecting and honoring the truth and acknowledging of the truth, some of those fundamental things about God, we're, we, I really do think we're failing. The whole church, the whole nation is failing to teach our kids that. You know, 2,000 years ago, basically everybody was homeschooled. And there was... They taught what they called the trivium. 
That was the fundamentals, which was grammar, rhetoric, which is speech, and logic, which had math in it. But there are actual, there's actual laws to logic. Did y'all know that? There's three main laws to logic. It's called the law of contradiction, the law of excluded middle, and the law of identity. And those three laws exist because truth is literally... I know I'm losing you guys in this stuff, but don't think that it's philosophy. It's not. Truth is the fabric of our reality. And when you take truth out, you have taken away the fabric of reality. That's why it becomes Alice in Wonderland. Does the Bible support what I just said? Yes! It says that God spoke things into existence, right? God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let the dry land appear, and it appeared. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. And it was so. And God said, let there be stars in the sky, and let there be a greater light to rule the day, and a lesser light to rule the night. What I'm saying is God spoke it. His word is the, what do you say, the essence, the power that brings about creation. But His word is truth. His word is truth. It's not just true. It is truth. The essence of truth. In fact, what does it say in Peter? That by the word of God, by the spoken word of God, the heavens were. God spoke it and they were. And by the same word, they are kept in store. They're held together by that same thing. But where it says by the word, we could say truth by truth. In fact, it says it in Psalms. It says it in Proverbs that all of his works are done in truth. That the earth itself was established in truth. And so truth is the fabric of our reality. What does it say in Colossians? That all things, whether they be principalities or powers or whatever, all things were created by Him and for Him. And by Him all things consist. Which means and by Him all things continue to exist. So truth is the fabric of our reality. Truth is the glue of it. And when you take away truth, that is the death of man. There are many things that separate us from all other creatures that we see. But one of the most important is that you know you have an understanding and a concept of truth to which no other animal has ever even contemplated or would understand if you tried to get it across to them. Animals have no awareness of truth. And if somehow you could put the spark of understanding of truth into an animal, it would become almost human-like because that difference, that there is a truth, there is something to be known, there is something to stand on, there is something to seek. Truth is really that fundamental. And I know, like I said, this is so academic in a lot of ways, but I just wanted you to understand when we go to Genesis... And we start talking about the things that Genesis says. If you say in your heart, that just can't be. You're not standing on truth. Your loins are not girt with the truth of the word of God. And it's, I know it's a hard thing to say because so many people do not believe what Genesis says about it. And so thank God for people like Ken Ham and the Ark and all the stuff that they've been putting out there for 40 years now to turn people's heart back to the truth of Genesis. But listen, when you teach a kid that they come from a gorilla, they'll act like a gorilla and you can't tell them to stop because you gave them license to do it. And that's what's wrong with our world. You gotta, you gotta understand that nations have gone to war over the theories of evolution. 
World War II, if the theory of evolution had not come about in 1848, if Charles Darwin had not wrote his book on the origin of species and the preservation of favored races, that was the original title of his book, The Preservation of Favored Races, if he wouldn't have put that doctrine out. And according to Hitler himself, he had that copy of Darwin's book by his bedside. And that was his justification for being able to kill off what in his mind was, they weren't favored races. They said things like, look, you call the weak cattle, men are cattle, we call the weak men. That comes from the theory of evolution. And so when we abandon, I've, I've thought so many times I would love to go through and write the history of the world according to the Bible, like the spiritual history of the world. I don't, I'm not knowledgeable enough to do it, but I wish a team of people would come together. You can look at these wars and movements of whole nations that happen and any time they abandon the truth that man is made in the image of God and that life is sacred and that if a man shed another man's blood, that his blood must be shed. Anytime they begin to abandon that, they abandon the rules of marriage or a husband. I mean, think about it. What other truth do we guard ourselves with? That a husband is supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church. You know when the Titanic sank? Let me tell you what would happen today. If there was a boat out there with 500 people on it and it went down, a huge number of them, even more than what the Titanic had, would die. But the survivors would just be evenly spread. Because now the men would just be pushing the women under to save themselves. Because they don't have the values. It's hard for us to believe it, but they don't have the values that you and I once had. When the Titanic went down, 70% of the women survived, 20% of the men survived. And that's how it ought to be. That's here. That's the kind of truth that preserves a nation. And we don't have that anymore. But men put their wives and children on the boats and they put other children on the boat and they said I'll swim and if they couldn't swim they drown and it's a it's a story of heroism that ought to move every man that's what I'm saying these are the foundations of truth that we're supposed to guard ourselves about with and we're supposed to stand having done all to stand stand therefore Stand, standing in the evil day, brothers and sisters, we're in the evil day. It is not popular to teach young earth, six-day creation, husband and wife, marriage, there's only two genders, you know, uh, and the wife should come first and stuff like that. You're designed to protect her. That's not popular. It's not popular. Go down to the well, the church in Scottsboro. You will not, you'll go there 10 years and you will not hear a message like what I just told you today. They're way more concerned with, honestly, your money and your praise. And so they're going to give you a bunch of motivational speeches stuff, and they're going to move you emotionally and make you feel like that they have fed you with something. But it ain't going to last. But the truth will last, and that's why I want you to know the truth. And I'm sorry, you don't hear me down there. Thing I always do, rambling on like crazy. Let me give you this and we'll close. The beauty of it to me is this, and this is really what I really, 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 really want to get across. This is really at my heart, in the heart of this sermon. Jesus said, 
But if you continue in my word, then you are indeed my disciples. He says it. You are my disciples indeed. But that's what it means. If you continue in my word, then indeed you are my disciples. And listen. And you shall know the truth. That's a promise. You shall know the truth. And not only that, and the truth will make you free. Lies are a prison. My mother and I grew up in some lies. And it, we were not free. I have a dad that's still in a prison of lies. And he is not free. And what will it take? It'll take the truth to ever set him free. But the part that comes before it is what matters to me. You shall know the truth. You shall. Listen, I try to stress this guys, this to you guys a lot. There's, there's coming a time, and I believe that it's coming for all of us right now, and it's been developing in all of us over the last few years. But we have come. We, what have we done? We've done what he said. We're continuing in the word. That's what we're doing. We're continuing in the word. We're learning his word, and we're studying his word, and we're coming together, and we're preaching his word or hearing his word or talking about his word and we're doing it. He doesn't just mean obedience. He doesn't just say, if you obey my word, then the truth will make you. No, it's continuing in it. Continuing in it is more than just obedience. It's absorbing it. It's bathing in it. It's learning it. And you shall know the truth. One thing I, I wish that I could get across to all Christian people right now that have come to the truth of the salvation of Jesus Christ and the truth of the creation of God is, listen, we do have the truth. And you do not have to say, well, I could be wrong about this. You don't have to say that. Because you ain't. You're not. There may be some things that you are wrong about. I don't know. Maybe you've got some kind of weird belief about hell or something, you know. I don't know. Maybe I have some beliefs about heaven that I'm not necessarily right on. But that's not what's in view here. What's in view here is the clear teachings of the Word of God that we all know. And we do have the truth. I'm done talking about it, but I wish I could. I wish I could get it said in such a way that you, that you, that you, really see what I'm trying to say. That there's this leather belt right here, and if you'll stand up and put that thing on and say, "Lord, thank you, you have shown me the truth." And I know it. And I'll never forsake it. And then teach it to your children. That's what we need to hand down to them. We need to live right before them. But you know, children have a lot of questions. And you need to answer them with truth. And teach them the relationship of truth. So that they themselves... And I've heard this stuff from Raina. And I, I love it, you know. She has a concept of truth that's more solid than so many of the other people that have passed through here. Because she says, I mean, she was telling me the other day, I don't remember what it was, but you know, she was saying if, in school, if someone was acting like or claiming to be a dog, she said, I would put a collar on them then and hook a leash to them and take them outside and say, here, you can stay out here because if you're going to say you're a dog, you're going to be a dog. You know, and her point was, you ain't a dog, right? That's her point. And so that's what I mean, standing for truth and getting that kind of stuff into our children. And I also know that we need to do it wisely. There's age-appropriate things. That's why I'm also careful what I say up here. It's our job to shelter them until it's no longer our job to shelter them. And during the time that we're sheltering them, we need to be teaching them, this is what you're going to see. This is what you're going to run into. And this is why it's wrong. 
It's one thing to just say it's wrong. It's a totally different thing to give them the understanding of this is why it's wrong. And this is the truth of the Word of God. And if you'll stand by it, it'll keep you for your whole life. It'll keep you from being caught up in all kinds of things. So, Does anybody have anything to say? Testimony or anything like that?